Welcome in to the All Things Go podcast, episode 16. I'm your host, Derek Yoder, joined as always by my co-host, Brian Murphy of Stewart House Racing. And Brian, I know you were pushing my buttons last week when we were talking about you cooking briskets, getting ready for a bunch of the guys from SHR to come over and hang out and watch all the racing. So I got to ask, how did the briskets turn out and how was your Sunday? The briskets were phenomenal. I mean, I, I, I'd like to think I can start calling myself the brisket king. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, it's, it's easy on these triggers, man. It's, uh, you, you put some spice on them, you throw them on the grill, you let them sit. It takes care of everything. I can't say enough. I regret every day that I did not own a Traeger grill. So, um, but yeah, they were delicious. Uh, a bunch of the guys came over. We watched the F1 race. We watched the Indy race and we watched the cup race. So it was a long day hanging out with a bunch of guys, drinking some bush beer, um, and just watching a fantastic day full of great racing um you know across the world so uh yeah it's uh these briskets man maybe one day you can uh, come down and try one i would love to i uh, do not have a traeger yet but hopefully i do in the near future so i'm still working on the old school gas grill but over the weekend i was able to, you inspired me to try to one up you if you will uh by being up here in pa and and doing a little cooking so i was cooking some gr- uh, wings and doing everything like I typically do on a Sunday. So good to hear uh, that you and the boys had a good time. I know we had a lot of storylines, if you will, uh, from Las Vegas during the race afterwards, uh, even a little bit before, and we'll touch on that. But I want to start with William Byron. He won uh, Chevy now 3-0 and in 2023. Uh, Stenhouse in the 500, Bush uh, the following week, then at Fontana. And then last week, William Byron wins. So Chevy is on it right now. Uh, do we see that or do you anticipate that? I guess that continues, right? We talked about momentum a little bit. I guess that could translate into Phoenix. Yeah. The momentum can transfer anywhere, right? I mean, when you're feeling it, you're just feeling it. And man, those Chevy guys, they just, they got it going on right now. Uh, especially at Hendrick. Uh, I I think I was a little surprised with, I think Kyle Busch, right? A little off, not as dominant as I thought he was going to be. Uh, but you know, Mm -hmm. those Chevys as a whole are just getting it done from, top to bottom so you know hats off to those guys uh you know vegas man it's it's just been such a tough track i think for for us in general these last couple of years so you know just definitely trying to figure out that some of the fords were fast some of them weren't mm-hmm. um but man uh william byron you know i think we saw the best car win that race and and that's that's good to see you know it's maybe not the most exciting race in the world but they're not all going to be the most exciting race ever and, uh, you know, sometimes uh, I enjoy just seeing a good ass kicking. And I think that's kind of what we saw on this past Sunday. Yeah, that was uh, I would say that that was right. He was the best car in practice, ultimately won stage one, stage two, won the race. There was a little drama at the end. And uh, Eric Almirola was a part of that drama where now I'll, I'll say this. And I said this on my show, uh, the NASCAR betting preview show, where Eric Almirola literally just hit the wall you know, backed it in barely. And the second his bumper hit the wall, whoever's up in the tower was like, yep, caution, we're going to go now. So they were just building a little uh, excitement there at the end. But Kevin Harvick, solid all day for you guys in the SHR stable. He, uh, he's he been getting it done here the last few weeks. Good to see him have a good result at Fontana and uh, Vegas, but really kind of the only bright spot, if you will, so far through three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um... Kevin Harvick, man, again, we, we've always talked about just how he just makes it happen. It doesn't matter what goes wrong, what 
issues or challenges are thrown to the four team, they just end up uh, in the top 10 every week. And, you know, I think that's a testament to the, to Kevin, his, you know, his years in, in this sport and as well as Rodney and, and just always staying calm and, and kind of just figuring out an issue and moving on. So uh, yeah, it's man, crazy. It's, you know, everybody at SHR is working extremely hard to just find more speed right now, whether it be aerodynamically or mechanically uh, we're all working together to kind of, you know, just right the ship and, and get everything uh, back on track to where it needs to be. And, you know, last year we struggled a little bit and um, it, it could turn around at any moment. There's so many things that have to go right between, you know, not only having performance, but matching that with the driver. Uh, you know, we saw Kyle Bush kind of talk about last week after his win, how maybe, you know, the Joe Gibbs setups and, and the way they were, going after performance may not have complemented his driving style. And, and that's one of the challenges within this sport is not only your campaign to find performance, but how you, uh, you know, how that works with the driver and his driving personality as well. So uh, you can have great cars, you can have great luck, but if it doesn't work with the driver that you have behind the wheel, then it kind of all can fall apart as well. So all these things have to come together at one time for you to go out and uh, be a, a very competitive and, and consistent winning cup team. So, um, you know, it's just also so many good teams right now. I think it's, it's a different um, landscape than what we're used to seeing in the cup series where maybe, you know, in the past we didn't have as many good drivers or that's arguable. I, maybe I won't say that, but, Maybe, you know, we didn't have as many good drivers, but we didn't have we definitely didn't have as many uh, top performing teams. And right now, these teams from top to bottom are getting better and more competitive to a point where, you know, the, the difference between running maybe fifth and 20th is a lot smaller than it's ever been. So, uh, yeah, just, um, you know, it's it's a tough series. This is the cup series. This is the best of the best. And, um, you know, it, these bad days sometimes remind you how good the good days are. And, um, you know, it's, it's what motivates you to continue push on and, and go back after those trophies and championships. Well, I know the, uh, the 14 team struggled, uh, you know, on Sunday where chase, uh, Briscoe finished 28th, but no better place to get your confidence back than going to where you won your first ever NASCAR cup series race in Phoenix. So we'll touch on, uh, Briscoe here in a little bit, but two other names that were disappointing was Joey Logano. And Ryan Blaney could not believe, you know, those guys. Blaney finished 13th, really, after the start of the race. He was nowhere to be found. Logano, he finished last, but he was running more about 15th, 18th uh, most of the day. So just interesting how, you know, we can have some of these cars where they were qualified, you know, pretty well. Obviously, Logano on the pole, uh, and then they fell back. But one name I do want to highlight, which is Daniel Suarez. Three straight top tens, only driver right now in NASCAR to do that. So uh, pretty interesting there. Yeah, those track house guys, again, not not only Chevy, but track house, man. They've they've definitely uh, come a long way and are just, just doing an awesome job. Um, you know, I didn't know that fact, Daniel Suarez, but that's that's cool to see. Um, you know, great personality, great driver. Um, you know, it's, it's fun to see those guys over there and all their spunk and, and their fire because – uh, th those are two fiery drivers they got behind the wheel. So it'll always be interesting with those guys 
uh, in the Cup Series, and it's going to be fun to see them as as they go through the 2023 uh, campaign. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. had uh, Harvick finished top 10, he finished 12th ultimately in Daytona. Had he finished 10th, he would be in that conversation as well. So let's shift our focus now to Phoenix. Uh, we have the low downforce package. You don't have to go into great detail with it. You already did uh, last week on the show. You came on the Wednesday show and did that on Twitter. And then, uh, you know, you kind of been making your rounds with that, which I greatly appreciate. And I know everybody listening does as well. So anything else you want to add to the low downforce package? There have been some thir- uh, some conversations, obviously, coming out from it. We're going to be able to uh, witness. Pra- I think we're able to see practice. There was some talk about it on Friday. FS2 might be covering. I'm not fully sure. I have to go back and look. But uh, just quickly, couple notes about the low downforce, and then where can everybody find some of that information on your uh, account? Yeah, first race of the low downforce package. Remember, we'll be removing three engine or uh, the, the two engine strakes, the three diffuser strakes, and going from a four inch to two inch uh, spoiler. So about thirty percent loss of downforce. Could be really interesting to watch. Also, the first race with the new updated uh, twenty twenty three wet weather equipment package where. Um, you know, there's a handful of races, most of the short tracks, uh, all the road courses will, will be running, uh, the, uh, rain flaps. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep the word mud flaps out of my mouth because that just, uh, sounds a little strange on a cup car. So we'll call them rain flaps. Uh, the four rear, uh, rain lights, uh, they added two this year down near the diffuser, give a little bit more visibility. Um, the standard, Wiper blades. So teams are no longer allowed to get crazy with those wiper blades. I mean, the, the old rule was, I believe, uh, uh, two by three or two by four inches. So these wiper blades were massive. And the two, two by three was just the box in which you were able to work in what you did within that box. You know, if you wanted to run a two by three or four windshield wiper blade, great. If you wanted to make them aerodynamically swooped or, or whatever, the creativity was um really you know whatever you could come up with so uh now there's a standard wiper blade it has to be positioned at 12 o'clock um there is a box on the windshield it's uh seven inches by 11 inches i believe that's offset to the driver's side um about three inches Uh, but there is a box in which you have to mount these wiper blades uh so we'll be seeing those run all race long and, um, you know, definitely an interesting aspect going into a lot of races this year where we will be running those regardless of uh, the forecast. So um, a lot of people are have been asking why. Why do we run this? Um, I'm not a fan of running in the rain. <laughs> so, uh, but, hey, uh, for what, you know, the, the powers that be feel is more important to be able to get these races in, whether it's raining or sunshine on Sunday. So, but why do we run them, whether or not the forecast? I think the big problem is, let's say you get this random shower and um, for some reason the drivers have to come down and put on wet weather tires. We don't want to stop these races, right? We just don't want to stop them, red flag them, come down pit road, have everybody put on tires, have everybody put on their wet weather package, take the time out of the race um to install these items and, and elements so um yeah if, if we're going to run them they need to be installed and in that way we're not going to interrupt the race or or the broadcast broadcast so uh, yeah really excited to get to phoenix this week um yeah especially especially for shr this is one of our best tracks so uh definitely a good place for us to go uh, kind of reset find some momentum 
Um, a great practice, I think, for our guys. We have two not rookie. We have one guy that I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of call Ryan Priest a rookie. You know, this this cup car, this new cup car is much different than anything else in the world. And he does not have a lot of time or experience with it. So um, in all aspects, he is a rookie heading into uh, this year. So getting this practice for him and Chad and and even Briscoe, I think, to get this practice for those guys to get some on-track time, find some mojo, and um, you know, create some momentum hanging into qualifying is going to be good. Yeah, well, it's the definitely the biggest topic going into this week with you know NASCAR making that change. You said you know thirty percent less uh, reduction is it of the drag and how that downforce I should say and how that stuff works. So uh, anybody that's interested, make sure you go and look at Brian's Twitter account. He's got a lot of different things listed, uh, including the uh, not the mud flaps. What did you call them? The uh, what, rain the flaps. flaps. The rain flaps. Yeah, right. So you can go and buy <laughs> yeah. them right now on Amazon for, I think it was like 80 bucks or something. So that was interesting. But yes. go check out Brian's Twitter account because he's got everything listed, pictures and all, uh, just to kind of help you give a better idea going into the weekend. And, you know, I said it before, I'll say it again. You know, you were on the Stay Green podcast as well with Todd <clears throat> Furman, Chris Wormy, breaking things down. Uh, and all throughout the week, people have been uh, talking to you and, and asking different questions. I feel like you're and always, voice. please. Yeah, and always, please, uh, if anybody has any questions ever, yeah, um, there's no dumb question. I tell I tell people all the time, uh, you know, th- the only way I can explain things is if questions are asked. I, I try my best mm-hmm. to go out and find interesting content, find interesting rules, uh, but the the easiest way for me to help the fans is is if they come and, and ask questions. So, uh, please yeah. ask away. Don't ever be afraid to uh, ask questions. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week. We have a 50-minute practice session on Friday. It's a little bit more extended than we typically have. Saturday will be the pre- the qualifying for the Cup Series Xfinity race as well. So it's going to be really interesting. Uh, you know, I hope that this changes, helps kind of make passing a little bit more efficient on these uh, short tracks. So we'll see. Definitely something to look forward to. For you guys, Kevin Harvick has 19 straight top 10s of Phoenix, knows how to get it done. We talked about Briscoe getting his first win at Phoenix in the spring race last year. I threw a little tidbit, a little note at you last week, kind of throw you off. and to throw something else at you this week. Since 2017, Toyota won, 2018 Ford won. Then it went Toyota Ford, Toyota Ford last year. So essentially, Toyota is supposed to be, uh, according to that trend in the spring, supposed to get to victory lane. So I'm sure you didn't know that, that little pattern of sequence there, did you? Uh, I did not. Um, <laughs> you know, ever since they kind of re- reconfigured this track, it's it's been uh, not as bright and shiny of a place as far as getting to victory lane for us at Stewart House Racing. Unfortunately, you just it's so got weird. to victory lane we, last year. You were well, just there. I know we had we had 364 one, days was, ago. That was that was the first win since they reconfigured the track. And before that, um, you know, Harvick kind of went on a tear and and even the rest of our drivers were always extremely dominant there. So, um, yeah, it's it was just kind of, you know, weird how all they did was move the grandstands and kind of our luck wasn't (laughs) as uh, shiny or, uh, you know, it, it just didn't happen as much as it used to. So. But either way, it's the same track. Really excited to get there. Well, I know it's not a winning weekend unless all four cars finish one, two, three, four. But like I mentioned, Kevin Harvick, 19 straight top 10s, going for his 20th straight. Uh, I do have a question for you because this is our first short track 
race of the 2023 season of the official season. We obviously went to the clash in uh, in in the uh, end of January. I'm sorry, at the beginning of February. You guys were good at the clash, especially the 41 car, the 10 car uh, as well. Anything we can take from success or drivers that were good at the clash and take that over to what we could see on Sunday? I mean, two very different tracks, right? So yep. there's there's still some bright spots for sure. I mean, definitely, you know, that the clash and, and that small track is requires a lot of forward grip. Uh, you know, being able to turn uh, is very important at a lot of these short tracks. Uh, you know, you can get tight really easy. And when you get tight in the middle, you can get then loose off. So it's really tough for a driver to kind of pick and choose where they want to struggle, whether it be in the center, um, you know, or have the grip coming off that corner. So, uh, cause a lot of the things that are required to make a car turn in the center hurt you coming off of the corner. Um, and, and that's kind of the battle of these short tracks is kind of perfecting that relationship of, between those two. With that said, the fact that we ran good at the clash definitely makes me a little bit excited about uh, Phoenix. You know, if we didn't run good at the clash and then we kind of had the bad luck and the runs we had at uh, Fontana and Vegas, I would, I would not feel as warm and fuzzy as I do heading into Phoenix this week. So again, they two completely different racetracks requiring two completely different setups. Um, you know, but th definitely some trends that can carry over and, and things we can build off that I think will, uh, you know, support a, a very competitive race car heading into Phoenix this weekend. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, the racing action. You know, I've heard various things all week, what we expect, some driver's thoughts, your thoughts, uh, some of what the industry's thinking, what happened. Nobody really knows. So that practice on Friday, I would assume will tell us uh, a good deal of information. There's going to be two sets of tires. Teams are going to be able to rip it around as much as they want. Uh, that 50 minutes is a long time, especially uh, at a place where at Phoenix where you can get multiple laps in, in a minute. So it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, anything else from your vantage point uh, that we need, we need to cover regarding Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, Phoenix is a rough racetrack when it comes to cars and passing tech. I mean, you got the dogleg. Are you going to practice that dogleg or not? Uh, it's it's a very important part of that racetrack, how your car handles hitting that dogleg, especially with these cup cars and their very rigid setups. Uh, for people like Priest that maybe haven't done that yet, do you practice that? And if you do practice that, you are going to have to fix your race car to pass past pre-race tech um you know you, you'll roll through tech when you unload uh prior to practice on friday and um because of this racetrack and how rough not fontana type rough but just dog leg rough these short tracks the splitter may hit the ground some um you may have to go back through tech to double check your nose location to tell, double check your window height things like that so uh, you know, me and the guys back at the shop are definitely going to be paying attention to practice what the teams do so that if we do have to uh, maybe send some information their way regarding their cars and where they're at when it comes to uh, underbody location or or anything that can assist them through getting through pre-race tech on, uh, well, I guess, uh, you know, Saturday afternoon, um, you know, that that will be a big part of this weekend. So, uh Again, uh, you know, two races or two fails through tech and, and you're sending a very important crew member home. So never a good idea to do that. 
regardless of where you are and um, having practices. Definitely. That's why I had a, a job traveling pre COVID was, you know, these cars go through so much damage throughout practice that people don't realize mm -hmm. how much work goes into re preparing them to go through NASCAR's technical inspection process and the small tolerances that they hold us to. I thought you were going to say that your job was to go hang out. If there was a second fail, you were the first one to go home or something like that, where they were like, all right, Brian, go back home, go to Charlotte. But you're right. I mean, we saw it at a Fontana where, you know, those cars, you kind of touched on it too, where like the underbodies of those cars, which us fans, we don't understand. We don't realize, but like the beating that they take now, they're almost like junk. They're scrapped. So like, you know, it's an interesting element that, uh, most of us don't really get to take into account. Preparing a race car to go to a track when technical inspection is the first thing you do and it's an impound race so you never have to go back through before the race is much different than preparing a car for a race when you are practicing for an hour and then have to go back through inspection. So you just got to remember these cars not as much as maybe the Gen 6, but they still go through a lot of shifts and changes. Most of it unintentional. Um, just, just the natural abuse that these cars go through, uh, going around the racetracks, hitting curbs, all of that. And when we are held to tolerances that are thousands of an inch, it, it requires a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of thought and a lot of preparation uh, when, when you only get really one free fail. Other than that, you are going to see some some pretty uh, interesting uh, penalties come out of it. One thing I'm curious about, and for anybody that's new, maybe tuning in, maybe you can help explain how does it work post uh, race where, you know, some of the cars go back to R and D. Is that a true uh, random draw process or is there something that NASCAR sees about, Hey, we're going to take that car back to R and D and that car as well. Or how's that process work? Yeah, I mean, it's random. It's it's a lot of it. It's there's different agendas for every, you know, situation that it happens. Some is just bringing a particular car from a manufacturer back to to double check things. Um, some of it, you know, you'll see once, twice, maybe three times a year. They take one from each manufacturer, or two from each manufacturer, and they'll do wind tunnel testing and and other things just to, to make sure that the parity is not as far off as they want it. So when we do parity testing in the off season, that's kind of, you know, all the manufacturers get together. They take their gold surfaces, they take their bodies, they, uh, they'll, you know, they'll put them in the wind tunnel and they'll make sure everybody's legal. Unlike sports car racing, like we talked about where there's BOP, where there's constant adjustments, NASCAR kind of lets the teams just kind of evolve and grow throughout the year. And, and where teams find advantages, that's just, congratulations right that's part of this sport it's one thing i love about this sport and i hope it never changes but you know every once in a while you kind of need to recollect some data and make sure maybe somebody hasn't gotten too far out of the box that uh um you know it's it's maybe stinking up the show you know for me those guys that get way far ahead of us that just is is more um you know more incentive and and more motivation mm -hmm. for us to go out and find ways to beat them um, but you know, sometimes that's not the best way to put on a show, but, uh, yeah, regardless, most of it's just random. They're just trying to, you know, there's no favorites in this sport. People think that, uh, NASCAR sometimes is playing tricks or they're smoking mirrors. There isn't, they, uh, they, 
they enjoy having the high amount of integrity that they do. And, and uh, <laughs> I can promise you that uh, they take it very seriously. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, as, as much as we travel 36 weeks a year with these guys, and yet they will still make sure that they bust everybody's balls the same if they have to. I like it. Okay, well, that was a good explanation. And again, thinking about the people that maybe are tuning in, just getting into the sport, uh, I think that information is key. One other question I have, and this has to do with Phoenix specifically. We know Phoenix uh, and its build, like you talked about, you know, the the front stretch or what used to be is now pretty much in the middle of uh, what was turns one and two. So it's an interesting layout. And with that then comes where Pitt Road is. And it kind of wraps around goes into the end of turn one how important is pit selection at a place like phoenix uh man i might not be the best guy to ask um but still i've i've been at the racetrack you know first and foremost you always want to get a clean in or out so teams are always looking for those pit boxes that have just that i mean secondly the pit boxes at phoenix are are very uh you know, they're a size in which makes it very easy to to do a pit stop in a, in a way that doesn't create a lot of issues when someone's either in front or behind you. So, um, you know, these teams, these spotters have gotten so good at navigating their way through pit roads that cause or have challenges such as a curved pit road to the point where I'm going to argue and say it's not a big deal. Um you know, I, I don't think it's something that's going to hurt a team to the point where they can't go out and just perform at a high level and and be the fastest on pit road. So uh, with that said, I've never been on cut pit road and uh, I was a horrible tire carrier. And, uh, you know, I haven't been to the racetrack, uh, Phoenix in particular, in a while. So maybe maybe they think it's a bigger deal than I do. I wish so badly, Brian, we could have seen you on pit road on Friday when the uh, accountants and uh, everybody that was not, a, you know, in the truck race where they had the, the, the crews were still flying in and uh, driving to the track. That would have been great. Had we seen you uh, at that race Man, doing that? I, I don't know who I need to talk to. Zippy, much. I might need to talk to somebody to be like, can we get Brian on pit road, please? I'm not going to brag too much, but I can say this. I will at least end up on the right side. Like, not the oh, right yeah. side, but the correct side of a tire. Yeah. Some of these guys that were out there, it was bad. I'm like, how, how do you work for a team and have no <laughs> idea on the choreography of a pit stop? Like, it was pretty have bad. you ever seen one before? I mean, Kyle, and then Kyle so, Bush held uh, Kyle Bush held his composure pretty good about it, and he was like, "Guys, just get it right. This is this couldn't this couldn't happen at a worse time. Just get it right." And I mean, I think the guy missed the first jack that he tried to put on, and I was like, "Ooh, well, sure." Other, this is me, I, Brian. I this couldn't. is me on my couch. I'm the one that's like, oh, I could do that. Yeah. I could yeah. pay me. The other thing is just like, just get the tires tight. Like, get the yeah. lug nuts tight. You took 30, 30 plus sec, uh, seconds. Just let's one pit stop. Just get them tight. And they didn't get the tires tight. Like, I don't know. I, it's it's tough to throw guys like this out on pit road. Um, you know, it is... I remember the, my first time on pit road, the adrenaline, uh, but man, they, it, I really had thought we had thrown some people out there that have never been to a <laughs> uh, NASCAR race before. Yeah. Well, I thought we pulled fans out of the stands for a second by doing that, but uh, yeah, I think, so I think that's good. All right. I think uh, 
that information that we talked about with Phoenix and the cup race and obviously the Xfinity cars are out there as well. I want to touch on a few other things outside of the Phoenix realm. We got uh, a few races next week is Atlanta. And then we have Coda, the first road course event of 2023. And there are so many storylines coming with that race. I'm going to start with, I'm going to start with Kimi Raikkonen going in the 91 track house car. He raced at uh, Watkins Glen last year. I thought he did an admirable job, you know, kept it clean until uh, the one part of the race where he got into the wall. I think it was him and Ryan Blaney might have been. So Kimi's getting into the car. What do you think about Raikkonen coming back with track house? Yeah, super excited for for those guys. I mean, uh, for, for him to be able to get that one race under his belt, shake out the cobwebs of you know, just uh, he, it's been a while since he's been in that competitive uh, behind the uh, wheel of a competitive race car. So uh, he definitely was top notch in every way. Justin Marks has said that his preparation, his fitness, everything. Um, so to see him get back behind the wheel, have a better understanding of the car, the procedures, uh, you know, the way these races play out, it's just so different than I think anything he's ever been a part of, you know, he was he did run two races i believe about 10 years ago at charlotte moore speedway a truck and xfady race so uh but yeah again the cup series is so different this next gen car is so different i'm really excited to see how he does and you know i think that project 91 team is no slouch that those are race winning race cars that uh you know given the luck and and a driver that uh, it has the experience behind the wheel of a cup car, has the experience behind the wheel of a race car, uh, could, could go out there and, and compete at a high level. If not, I'm going to say mess up and win, right? Like <laughs> the the whole the whole goal is go out there and win. Would I say he's going to go out there and win? Is he one of the favorites? No. Uh, is he going to be competitive? I think he could be a lot more competitive. Could he put it, put himself in a position and win this race? Man, I mean, you know what? All the all the elements, all the ingredients of this sandwich are there. It's just up to that team and that driver. So I'm not going to say he's a favorite, but um, I'll be really excited to see what he can do this time around. Well, for that race in particular, his teammate, Ross Chastain, got his first ever career cup series win at Coda. So that'll be an interesting storyline to follow. Let's touch on this next one. And news uh, just broke here just a little bit ago where Jensen Button is going to be racing in the Rick Ware Racing number 15 car. What do you think about that news? Uh, Yeah, I mean, how about that? Um, Two F1 champions in the Coda race. Uh, you know, I, th- I think it's kind of really cool to see him all this, all the time and effort he's put into this, uh, garage 56 car, um, to finally get this shot. Mobile one is really going out and, um, you know, helped him get behind the wheel of this race car. Really excited to see the things he can do. Uh, again, it's, it's a quick project. I think, um, you know, this coda race may be a little difficult for him to, again, you know, the, the things we saw, Kimi have to go through in, in that first race, you know, the procedures, the way people race each other. Um, and, and just everything that comes with a, the, one of these long cup races that are so grueling, there's so much contact, um, you know, really tough cars to drive, but you know, the experience for him in, in that fifth garage 56 car, I think is, is going to pay off quite a bit. And in a way where, just driving a stock car is so much different than maybe anything he's, he's really ever done. Um, you know, much, 
much of his experience has come from open wheel racing. He has done a bunch of super GT racing, some other sports car type events, but um, you know, I don't think he's, he's ever seen the type of competition that he's going to see in a cup race. And I don't mean that there isn't good competition in any other series, but there's a lot of gamesmanship. There's a lot of contact. Um, These guys out here, they're out there to win a race, just this race. It's race to win for this championship. And, um, you know, the, the gentleman drivers, the gentleman procedures, or uh, what am I trying to say here? You know, it's, it's, it's a lot more cutthroat than I think uh, most series throughout the world. So I'll be really interested to see how he does, how he reacts and um, you know, how he carries this, um, this experience going into these other races throughout the year. Another big name, uh, other than those two that we just talked about, is Jordan Taylor. He's going to be in the number nine Napa car for Hendrick Motorsports. And obviously, unfortunate news, what happened to Chase Elliott last week in his snowboarding accident, where it's going to leave him out for about, you know, I would say six to nine weeks, uh, doing some of the math, looking at some of the stuff. You know, Talladega is about that seventh race. I don't think you have him come back there. So uh, obviously, unfortunate, and that's been in the news a lot, and then the you know, people at home think they can just debate whether drivers should have lives or not for whatever reason. Obviously, drivers need to get away. I think Kevin said it great, and Denny and Kyle uh, and Ryan, they kind of jumped on the same thing where drivers have to get away. They have to be able to have lives outside of a race car. Uh, yes, they're putting on a show each and every week. They have a lot to do with their sponsors, and there's a lot that goes with that. But at the same time, you know, these guys need to go out and do what they do. So hopefully, Chase, uh, hopefully that timetable for him is a lot shorter than expected. It, You know, definitely from a fan's perspective, most, most popular driver in the sport for the last couple of years, you know, it's good to have him at the track and competing in that car, Josh Berry, who's going to be at Phoenix and uh, at Atlanta next week. And then Jordan Taylor, who gets in that, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do at Coda. What about you? I'm really excited to see Jordan Taylor behind the wheel of this car. Uh, you know, I think him and that team have all the ingredients not to go only go out and run well, but win this race. Um, and I say that for a couple reasons. One, uh, he's got some Garage 56 testing time. So, again, he's been behind the wheel of a stock car type. Um, two, this guy just didn't race open wheel cars. He has raced these GT cars. And GT racing in the sports car world is much more stock car-esque, right? There's a lot more contact. There's a lot, a lot of up-on-the-wheel driving. And um, I think he has, you know, again, every ingredient to the sandwich to go out and win this race. So a lot of guys are expecting a lot of things. And for me, I think uh, this nine team, they don't mess around. They, when it comes to these road courses, they are a top-notch team, if not one of, if not the best team in the whole garage. So Jordan Harrison's going to have a hot rod to say the least. And you know, there's been some people online saying, well, maybe Hendrick won't put, you know, that he won't get the same equipment or that he won't get the same effort. And that's nonsense. When we come, when it comes to these cup series, top notch teams, these marquee teams, every time you put a race car together, it does not matter who is behind the wheel. You go out to win these races for these sponsors. And that is what this nine team and Jordan Taylor are going to do. They are going to head out to bring back the trophy for Napa, um, and showcase, you know, the team's talents, Jordan's talents, and, 
you know, just really stink up the show. So I am super excited to see this. He's a great personality. He's a, a fantastic motorsports fan. Uh, Ran Randy Sandstorm, is that what it is? Uh, his his second personality. I don't know if you've oh, ever yeah. seen it. I, I was trying to think where he puts on like the retro Jeff Gordon uh, outfit, yes. the jorts and all yes. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think that's his name. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, definitely so has a personality. He's just, so that's good. He's going to be an absolute treat for, uh, you know, NASCAR and the fans. And, uh, you know, he, he's not going to hold back. He's going to go out there. He's going to beat doors. He's going to, um, you know, run everybody as if he's running for the championship. So really excited to see these guys in this race. I think it's fantastic to see this crossover. I think that's one thing with this gen seven car is um, we're seeing so much crossover from other series and other forms of motorsports coming to the NASCAR cup series, showing these personalities. And um, you know, it's a, for one thing that bothers me about some of this is maybe, you know, when you have a four car team, you are unable to kind of go out and do these extracurricular activities because NASCAR does not allow you to have a fifth car. And, and I really think now that we're seeing a lot of these this crossover um, drivers coming into the sport, different sponsors coming in the sport, I think maybe it's time that NASCAR maybe opens up, you know, this rule where uh, teams, four car teams in particular, are allowed to maybe have an extra chassis sitting to the side just in case maybe they are able to grab a marquee driver, um, a driver that will bring spotlight, um, bring sponsorship bring storylines to, to particular races that it's, it's good for everybody. And, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult for four car teams to, to do this when they have to maneuver around uh, these rules and regulations, unlike maybe track house where they can just go get more cars and go run these people because they don't, they haven't reached their limit of teams that are, you're able to have. So um definitely uh something i think that we need to address here in the future given all the crossover and um you know that the path i think the whole sport is headed towards well i got something that we can address and we didn't talk about this yet but i think it is worth noting so obviously we've talked a lot about garage 56 we know there's that partnership that they have it's pretty much being run out of hendrick motorsports so they did uh garage 56 did a test if you will with the car at coda few days ago and now jordan taylor gets announced that that's going to be where he drives i feel like that is like crazy where it's pretty much a test i mean they're testing another vehicle it's the, they always talk about nascar uh and the people associated with garage 56 say oh no it's it's a clone it's just a little bit more souped up clone of the nascar cup car gen 7 car so like how is that even allowed Again, no, the only thing I can say with all this is I am going to trust the process and, um, you know, hope that NASCAR is keeping everybody's best interests at hand. And I'm, you know, normally they do. So uh, I'm not going to question you, their thought process or, uh, you know, I, I think the other thing consistent. is we have, we have two manufacturers that haven't said a word. So mm -hmm. uh, if, if, you know, the people at Ford and the people at Toyota had an issue with the Garage 56 program and how it was being handled. Uh, I would say more than anybody listening to this, for sure, more than me, more than probably anybody I've talked to in my life, I would say that those people uh, have got it figured out and um, 
that there isn't an advantage or a disadvantage to be there or not be at these tests or, mm-hmm. um, or, or not, you know, not being able to have a program like garage 56. So uh, yeah. just, just really excited. That's going to showcase uh, the NASCAR cup series, our cars, what we do. And um, yeah. You've been very consistent when I've, I've brought up the garage 56. So I'll let, I'll let that storyline go, but I will bring it back up. If, Jordan Taylor goes on a rampage and is dominating guys like your stable, uh, the Penske guys, Gibbs guys. So it'll be interesting to see. Maybe we'll open up uh, phone lines for that if that happens, because I think that would be a topic of the week. But all right. So we'll let that element go because I don't want to get you into any sort of trouble there. So how about this? Let's move to uh, a couple things that are happening. There's a, there was a wheel force test. Xfinity and cup cars were testing together at the Roval. Where was this news? Nobody, I never even saw this at all until you and I were talking a little bit. So let's break down the wheel force test and what that is. Yeah. So the wheel force test was at Coda, I believe, Tuesday. Um, the wheel force car each manufacturer has. The wheel force car is basically an extremely expensive cup car that has a lot of information gathering sensors, uh, wheel slip sensors, load sensors, all kinds of again, information gathering tools that help set our uh, simulation models. So when we talk about our simulation, there's a couple things that you have to put in uh, to get accurate information out of it. Two of those things are your aero maps that you set at the wind tunnel, Um, you know, how the cars are built, the aerodynamics that they see, the downforce drag and side force levels that are produced. uh, That all is is run through a map through different yaw um yaw changes through different ride height changes you'll take all that information you plug that into your sim uh the other thing that you'll do is you'll take these wheel force tests and you'll you'll take the the loads of the tires you'll take the slip of the tires you'll take all these other um very very important information uh that helps again set the the basis of your simulation models so um as well as the garage 56 test that was there on tuesday there was also a uh, manufacturer wheel force test um and then wednesday the following day that there was a yeah a cup and xfinity test on the track at the same time uh the cup cars uh ran the roval we tested um uh, we went back through the mufflers right there's the mufflers ran the clash there were no massive issues there wasn't any fires caused on the mufflers there wasn't any pieces falling off the mufflers did their job i think one concern was uh cockpit heat and you know yesterday it was a little bit cooler here in charlotte but uh didn't really hear any i was not there by the way so this is all just what i heard through uh you know through Stuart haas but I, i didn't hear many complaints about uh driver cockpit heat um you know, they ran the Roval. And other than that, it was just kind of going through checks and balances on the car for the road courses. Um, they did test a couple new front wheel tub items to try to keep a lot of that rubber out from getting into the engine pan and then back into the rocker box. So uh, just a, a couple of small tests of bits and pieces that are going to maybe enhance or better the Gen 7 platform as a whole, as well as just a little bit of a test session for drivers and uh, teams on the on a road course so 
yeah, a couple tests uh, went unnoticed, very surprisingly unnoticed. Uh, but hey, uh, you know, it's it's just testing. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see how that information uh, plays out here and pays dividends and coming up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that information is good. And I think what you guys must have done is like uh, what they did to the Baltimore Ravens back in the day where they, or the Baltimore Colts, where they took the Mayflower. They took all the all the equipment, moved it out uh, of the town. So that's kind of seems like what happened there, because nobody knows about those tests other than if you worked in the shop. So quite interesting there. Let's move into F1. I know you're a big F1 guy and uh, you were watching the race uh, on Sunday and uh, what were some of your thoughts from the race? I know you're a big fan. Yeah, so I have always been it's it's been a battle for me between Mercedes and Red Bull because I love Mercedes. If I could go out and buy a car tomorrow, it would probably be a Mercedes. Uh, I really enjoy Lewis Hamilton watching him grow up. You know, I remember watching him uh, as a rookie and and cheering for him uh, and watching him go out and win these these championships has been a lot of fun and seeing his uh, progress to, to becoming one of the greatest of all times. And then you have Red Bull, who I feel like is kind of like the Stuart Haas of F1, right? They're the t-shirt and jeans team. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a battle for me on who I want to, uh, <laughs> who I want to cheer for. And the problem I have is they're so bitchy with each other. It's just a constant, mm-hmm. like fifth grade childish, uh argument every week to the point where I'm almost gonna just find a different team to cheer for. I you, neither of them are really are 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 doing what I, I want to see. So you know these Austin Martins they came in they were extremely quick. We saw their their uh, pace in practice was much higher than last year. You know Fernando Alonso came in on the podium. I want to say a surprise but I guess everybody said they were going to be fast after practice. So can can that team uh, keep up this momentum? Are they going to be this fast? Are, are they going to challenge for a third or second place um, constructors title here? And again, Red Bull, this I think they're going to go on a historic run, just dominate this series from start to finish. Um, and uh, everybody here is racing for second. So will be interesting next race i think is uh next weekend in saudi arabia um my my bets on uh on red bull and, and max verstappen no doubt they're gonna go out and crush it well you mentioned uh red bull being you know blue collar the shirts and jeans kind of a thing like shr but they bitch with uh mercedes so uh who do you guys bitch with in the cup series who's who's the team that you guys get at it with i can't say that okay. i'm not gonna I'm not gonna release that info. <laughs> there, there is one though. Uh, you know, so it's it's funny how the the personalities of teams. We've talked about it. There's there's different personalities uh, of people, and there is definitely personalities of teams. And again, um, you know, I think us at Stuart House Racing, we are we are the t-shirt and jeans, the the bush beer drinking, blue collar team, and and I love that part of it. Um, you know, I can show up, I can wear t-shirts and, uh, I have a couple sweatshirts. I cut the sleeves off and nobody blinks an eye. So, um, that's who I am. I found the team that, uh, kind of, you know, fits that, uh, fits that look, fits that feel, fits that, uh, you know, everything who I am. So yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely teams that you bitch with. (laughs) 
I almost got you on it. All right, good. So that then uh, is our F1 talk for today. So anybody listening that was looking for some F1 conversations, there you go. There's that. Uh, how about IndyCar? I know Indy, there was a lot that happened with IndyCar. My goodness. Uh, a couple red flags. It almost extended into the Cup Series race. You were texting me a few times, and I told you even, I cannot believe I am watching an IndyCar race that is not the Indy 500 all thanks to you in doing this podcast. So what did you think about the IndyCar race? Uh, another fantastic event at uh, St. Pete. Uh, at those street courses, those IndyCars, it's always some kind of drama for sure. Um, you know, a, a great race. The Penske cars, I mean, for the most part, not as dominant as I thought those guys were going to be. Um, <clears throat> definitely had some drivers show up at the end. Uh, <laughs> some, some very interesting uh you know, uh, situations played out there with the leaders, but, uh, you know, for the most yeah. part, another fantastic race and, um, you know, really excited for the kickoff of their season. And, um, yeah, I, <laughs> things got a little interesting after that race, didn't they? All right. So my question to you then, Brian, is if you were in Grosjean's shoes, what would you have done? So, you know, Scott would have been catching some fists, right? I mean, that's why I tweeted that's out. What I think, um, you have to. <laughs> There's no choice. But, look what it, look what Clint Boyer did to Ryan Newman in the All Star race. Didn't even let him get out of the car, and he's throwing all those fists. You have to think that a couple uh, fists to cuffs would have been flying. Man, I I tweeted that out as honestly a joke, and man, wow, did not expect uh, the reaction that I got. Uh, definitely, um, yeah. At, at first sight, man, I, I really thought. Uh, well, first let's back up, right? I mean. You got Grosjean coming on fresh tires, fresh off pit road, um, has a lap or two on them. You have uh, Scott coming off pit road on cold tires. And they couldn't have matched up or came out and, and been put in this situation any more perfectly. I mean, side by side, running for the win. Whoever comes out of these corners and takes this lead is ultimately going to go out and win this race. So these two drivers are put in a position that they're going to have to make some difficult choices and going into, you know, this turn at St. Pete, it's borderline whether or not two cars can get through there uh, side by side. So just such a tough situation. When I looked at it, you know, for me, I think when a car is on the outside of another car and they're put in the wall, that's, that is not on the car on the outside's fault at any point. But when you go back and you look at slow motion, you know, honestly, I think Scott was probably going to maybe miss that turn regardless, being on cold tires, maybe sliding some tires. But when I looked at it, it almost looked like Grosjean actually turned down and cut him off a little bit. They bumped tires, and I think that might have been what ultimately send, sent uh, Grosjean into the tire barrier. So, yeah, a lot of what-ifs with this, right? But uh, two guys going at it to win, these, win this race. Um, trust me, I am not a fighter. You can ask anybody. Uh, I ain't throwing fists. I ain't doing none of that. If you, if I am at the racetrack and two drivers get, get in a fight, I can promise you one guy that will not be jumping in that. Is, and that's me because you never know who you're punching, who you're fighting with. And I don't get paid to go out and box. So there ain't going to be no throwing fists from this guy. That, that was all just joking fun. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just glad that, Again, you know, all those tweets and all those uh, responses really uh, fired up my uh, Twitter and and sent a lot of mentions and and 
you know, I appreciate it to everybody, man. Thank you. I, I can't thank you guys enough for putting my name out there and, and getting me exposure. Yeah. Well, I was going to say a couple things. One, uh, you, so I guess you're just all talk and, and no fight, if you will. And if I was Correct. coming off pit road, uh, with a fresh set of tires, I would have I would have just put you in the wall right away if we're side by side and then gotten out of the car and I wonder who would win a fight you or me I guess me if you're not fighting yeah I'm, I'm running a bigger yeah you're running yeah okay, you are I'm bigger not let you run yeah. I'll grab your hood and then we'll, we'll go at it uh, okay so we might have to set that up sometime if if we get enough money to to kind of fight there that would be fun um, all right so what else with the Indy car race then uh, anything else with that. Do Indy no, just, do, do the Indy cars and uh, Cup Series cars? They race at Indy same weekend again this year. They did it the last couple. Yep, the road course race, uh, road course event at Indy. So uh, let's go. Let's go to that. No, oh. I will. I will not go to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, Why? Unless I am working. You are working. It, We're gonna no. do a show. We're gonna do a show. So you're gonna work. No. It, <laughs> All right. It, fine. Yeah, I'm in, just trying Indy, to get. I'm just trying to go to a race. That track has a, a lot of great history. It was amazing to win. win. I got two rings there. I'm Hashtag other than saying almost, the oval. I I will I will I will say bring back the oval. But oh yeah, um, yeah. Wow. But I like seeing the Indy cars on the on the road course. I think they have two events there. I think it's great. Um, yeah. You know, IMSA on the road course. Eh. That road course just is so boring to me. It's so forced um, that I don't know. Either either you race on the oval or or you can run some GT cars on on the sports car um, on the road course. But uh, I I don't know. The the road course just doesn't do it for me in any way, shape, or form. Well, on this show we call you the king of segways. So speaking of the GTP class, there was some cheating that happened with the Michael Shank Racing. Let's dive into that a little bit. I'm sure people are, are curious. Yeah, I think it's just an interesting situation on so many levels. Uh, you know, I think it, this this type of thing is something you see, uh, I'm not going to say regularly or, you know, a lot in NASCAR. But I think in NASCAR, you see a lot more gray areas being exposed or ingenuity, ingenuity being put in place when it comes to questionable calls or or, you know, however you explain that. But, um, yeah, that Michael Shank team that won the Rolex 24 was ultimately uh, caught adjusting tire pressure sensors to the point where they were putting in an offset. And, you know, these these tires at the Rolex 24 were extremely hard. The compounds weren't favorable for the teams when maximi maximizing performance. So any single pound of tire pressure that you could run lower than recommended re resulted in quite a bit of performance. And the, you know, the offset that this team had put in really, I think showcased a lot of their, their speed that they had early on in a run and maybe overall of, of a run um, from start to finish of a stint. So um, the interesting part here isn't just that, you know, the fine mm -hmm. or, you know, um, the, the fine or the fact that we saw this massive penalty in IMSA. Um, but I think that the biggest part was the manufacturer Honda performance turned in their own team. And that's something I can't say I've ever seen. So an interesting situation. 
Um, but man, I just that's that's that I'm speechless over that one. I ain't never seen anything like that. To to have that level of integrity, um, to police yourself, to kind of turn in your own team. Uh that's that's just something that I don't think I've seen ever before in any series. So I guess hats off to to Honda for doing that for for uh yeah m- making sure i mean there's gonna be no question um that i think imsa is gonna take things like this serious in the future and and that the manufacturers are gonna police their own teams as well yeah i think that's well said and uh kind of took the words out of my mouth as well with that so uh yeah definitely an interesting storyline like you said honda policing themselves there uh you know doesn't happen a whole lot but was was one of those things where really needed to happen so uh good uh good information there brian how about this anything else we didn't touch on or anything else you want to add regarding phoenix or any of the other racing series uh no just uh you know sebring is not this weekend but next weekend uh the 12 hour and the first race of the wec season so you'll see both the gtp cars and the uh, ACO's hypercars on track together. You're going to see this relationship between IMSA and the ACO in your face. These worldwide reg- regulations are something that these two series have been trying to implement for a decade. And to get, you know, Europe and America to agree on basically the same path for a racing series is, is a lot harder than you'd think. And I'm really excited to see it play out. I'm really excited to see these two platforms come together. And, you know, how how is it going to play out? Two different types of BOP, two different platforms, one four-wheel drive, one rear-wheel drive, one manufacturer-based, one more spec-based. A lot of storylines headed into next weekend. This weekend, you'll have WEC's prologue where it's it's their, you know, testing kickoff. So, uh, we'll, we'll be interested to see those two cars come together and practice and test who's going to sandbag. I feel like there's a lot of sandbagging going on right now in this series. I think you're going to see a ton of sandbagging going on this series for BOP reasons until we get to Lamar. Everybody is giving up this year. Everybody is giving up this, this season. And I say that loosely, but it is there. Everybody is holding back to get their BOP correct to go win this first Lamar, this 100th year Lamas series with these new cars. So um yeah, there's there's uh, a lot on the line on on when you go, how you go and and how it's going to affect these races coming up in the future. Well, like you said that race is next week in Sebring and uh you know, traditionally in America, next week is also spring break. So I hope you have a good spring break and uh enjoy your time partying and and having a good time taking some photos and having fun down there. So you're going to be in attendance for that, right? Uh, it's still up in the air. Um, oh, un- unfortunately, a, a, the couple guys that I was going to go with are possibly not going to go. Um, so see you in Atlanta. Said, no, no. Oh. Uh, you're going to hate this, but I'm actually playing another work party where I'm going to cook some more. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Brian. Uh, so if I don't, if I don't go, uh, we may have a St. Patrick's day party. I really want to go down to Sebring. This is going to be the motorsport event of the year in North America. Uh, it's also going to be the last time that we see super Sebring WEC and IMSA, uh, do not want to have co-races together. So 
my plan is still to somehow find a way down there, somehow to find a, a car buddy and uh, head down there, take pictures. It's just, it's a long trip to, uh, to do by myself. And uh, I just can't do that. So I may be in the garage cooking brisket with a bunch of buddies, uh, having a good St. Patrick's day party, but I hope I'm down in South Florida seeing this great event. Yeah, well, uh, hope you are as well, because I know that was an event that you uh, talked about uh, a few times to me about. If you could get to one, go to that one. You also got, go down to when the series is in Atlanta area as well or Georgia area. Uh, so let's do this. Let's uh, we'll, we'll just kind of close the show then. Um, you know, we touched on a lot of different topics tonight. I know we're both excited to see what happens at Phoenix and then uh, Atlanta next week. So it's got a lot of storylines still to play. Uh, and it's only three weeks in the series for the cup series. Yeah. Um, still so much, so much unknown, right? Um, you know, the West coast swing is definitely something that when you go out, you'd like to run with. And, and again, we, we say momentum all the time. I, I think people are probably getting tired of hearing it, but building that momentum means a lot. Uh, really excited to get to Phoenix, see how, uh, how our cars shake out. And then, um, Atlanta will be an interesting speedway ish. You know, I think that place is starting to lose some grip. It's, it's a place where, again, unlike maybe the rest of the series where the goal is right there in your face, I want to create all this downforce or I want to get rid of all this drag. I think pretty soon we're going to see Atlanta turn into a type of racetrack that we kind of saw in 2019, where you're going to have to battle with how much downforce do you want because of the drag penalty or how much drag are you trying to get rid of and how much can you sacrifice the handling of the race car so i think atlanta will be very interesting uh and then you know head to uh coda and richmond and bristol and oh my god the year's almost over so <laughs> um, yeah. uh, i just get it's nearing its end north wilkesboro yes. and then it's almost over yeah yeah right so um no really excited uh who is your pick to win oh yeah race. you're asking me about my pick uh my pick last week did pretty well with william byron and, and martin truex jr who i called out my pick this week it's very hard to determine with uh practice i think there's gonna be a lot to play there i like christopher bell uh, i think you know some of the package might lend towards a guy like that he was also at the track test so christopher bell's the name i'm gonna give out uh this week he was um a name i would jump on now so Chris Bell is my my call out. If it's not, I I like to see Briscoe do well uh, because you know he he's had good success there. But Bell, I think, is going to get it done on Sunday. Uh, make sure you follow Brian uh, Murphy on Twitter at Br uh, Brian underscore Murphy underscore. Uh, make sure you download and subscribe to the All Things Go podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. I've been enjoying this, Brian, doing this with you the last two weeks. Just us kind of having some conversations. Next week we have. Bob Pockers, who's going to be joining the show. So I'm looking forward to chatting with him. But uh, Brian, thanks as always for, for joining and doing this. I think the information that we give out each week is uh, really quality stuff. So I'm looking forward to, again, seeing how everything plays out. Hope you have a good rest of your week and enjoy you know, making some meat uh, on Sunday with all, you know, all of the friends and family. So uh, thanks again, Brian. Yeah, as always, thanks to you. It's, this is fun. This is uh you know, paying off in a good way. I, I'm really enjoying having these conversations, meeting these people and, um, you know, giving all the fans some interesting and, and different content and insight. So again, if you guys want to hear something, if you guys want a, a guest on, please reach out, give us uh, some criticism, give us some feedback. Uh, we'd yeah. love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. And uh, yeah, again, really excited for this weekend's events and 
hey, we'll talk to you in a week.